You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and I'm your host, Greg E. Hill, the Culture Change Agent. I'm excited. I'm pumped up to be here today. It's 7:30. I ain't even dropped the podcast yet because I've been recording podcasts all day. I got some amazing news. I don't care where you at. G- get up and make some noise. I know that was mad corny, but I, I don't know. I felt in the spirit. I didn't even say that. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to be here. This podcast right here is going to be epic. I'm talking about jewels dropping, jewels dropping, drop, 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 drop. My homegirl, Kendra Barnes, real estate beast. In the making, eight, 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 eight rental properties, uh, multi-unit properties, four, pl- uh, what do you call it? What do you call it? Four plexes. I mean, she has been able to do a lot, and she work a full-time job. And most importantly, she helped others get grant funding, um, buy multi-unit properties, buy apartment buildings, and and I mean, I, I, the stories that I heard on this podcast were mine blowing in a practical way. So if you are a person that's looking to create other revenue, get into real estate in a non-schemy way, because there's a lot of people online giving a lot of real estate advice, and it's like, yo, it's kind of can be overwhelming. But I mean, her story and how practical it was, I'm like, wow. And the resources that she provides on this podcast are mind-blowing. I know I'm hyping it up, but it, it, it's worthy to be hyped up because there's no information to me. I'm not familiar with a lot of real estate stuff. Everybody says, you need to get into real estate, young man. Get into real estate. Man, there's so much information on real estate. I don't get into real estate. So this is for the people like myself that have heard stuff about it and just want another perspective. Well, she here. And she has also, she does coaching. She does all that stuff. And I would definitely refer her. Like There's people that uh, I know I, I, I rock with, I enjoy to do coaching and do all that stuff. And I wouldn't refer them because I mean, not to say they're bad, but I don't know. I don't know. But her, I mean, with her story and the stuff that she has been able to provide with her current clients and whatnot, like, yo, I am telling you, if you are single, if you are in college, if you are married and you are thinking about this real estate game, not flipping houses, I'm talking about the long haul, that reoccurring income. Listen to this podcast, share this podcast, get more people in. You need to contact her, hit her up, leave comments on this show on SoundCloud, hit her Instagram. This is about to be a phenomenal show, and I ain't never really hyped about a show like that, but it's just new information. So, before I begin, I got a couple housekeeper things. Uh, one, yo, for my people that's been holding me down for 10 episodes or more, no, shoot, five episodes or more. I'm going to need your support over the next couple weeks. We are going to be rolling out 
some new stuff as far as content that can really help people be more attached to their goals, content that can help people in different spaces that maybe want to get into real estate or learn more about more about personal financing or we just going to unite what we've been building for the last couple of years in the digital realm and I'm going to need your support. So when we start putting stuff out there and on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter, I'm going to need y'all support sharing it, investing in it. It ain't going to be no $500 or whatever. No, no, no. It's going to be minimal, but I know I'm going to need your support. So I'm just going to put that out there. I got some really new heat coming. I got some free heat coming. Matter of fact, my mixtape. I know you're like, mixtape? I don't know what this boy talking about. Yeah, I got a motivational mixtape of uh, some of my best recorders from 2015 to 2017. It's called Remember You're a Genius. It's a mixtape. The album's coming in 2019. It's a mixtape. 14 tracks. Some of my best work. I'm proud of it. Proudly done by my brother Sidney Evans. Executively produced and recorded by Sidney Evans, man. So, an engineer, rather, by Sidney Evans, man. So, shout out to him. And uh, it should be out online tomorrow. I'll be hitting email boxes, letting people know. So just get excited and keep me in your prayers as we enter this new season of entrepreneurship, this new season of podcasting, this new season of adding value. Like, I'm really excited. I know I'm going to need your support. And if you can't support financially, I need your prayers, all right? Because it's, it's about to be game changing. I was, I know I, I'm, I'm big on, you know I'm big on rants. So I've always had the passion. I've always been able to add value. This is all God giving them. This ain't me. But one thing that I always lack is structure. And that's what happens for a lot of like hustlepreneurs. You can you can hustle, you can sell books, you can grind, get these speaking gigs. But what where's your foundation at? Like you like the guys in the gym with the hot with the big upper body boy and the skinny legs. And this whole last year I realized outside of some stuff I had to clean up character-wise, yo, my legs was weak. But now I got this new game plan, and we about to change the culture. So um, before I begin to, I want to send a special shout out to every single person that shares episodes, that comments, that sends me messages. I read them, sends me emails. I read them, and I, it's encouraging, and inspiring, and it keeps me like locked in, ready to go. And it, and it helps my belief in myself. I'm gonna be real. I believe in myself, but I mean, I getting. I'm talking about tens. Um, 15, 20 messages a week of just encouraging stuff, comments, hundreds of comments, usually every every show on a variety of different platforms. And I'm like, yo, it's it's mind boggling. And as I and then luckily the way I kind of situated that thing, I can grow by watching y'all and helping y'all grow. So it ain't like yo, watch G Hill rise to the top and we just gonna clap for him, support him from afar, like one of your homies that that make it or one of your your people that like like get a deal or become an actress in, in LA or become a model or go to the league. Nah, nah 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 like I win if you win. So that's the exciting thing about this whole my own trailblazer experience and this journey. So I'm so blessed and so fortunate to have a quadrant of minority trailblazers that tune in, that share the podcast, that support the movements, that grab books, that bought merch, that kept me, I mean, eight months off, we came back, and it was like I never left, boy, y'all, y'all greeted the boy, like, I felt like I was home, man, like, it's, it's crazy, so, I'm gonna stop rapping, and I'm gonna let y'all enjoy this amazing, legendary podcast, and let this not, I repeat, let this not 
be the end of the conversation that you have with Kendra Barnes and some of the other guests I have on the show. No, take this thing offline. Grow. Utilize these resources. Utilize these people. And let's grow and build together. And that's enough of me. Let's get into the show. On this show, we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generation of leaders. And as always, I got a show for you today. Uh, most importantly, I'm excited because I got another Aggie on the line. Like, I know people that listen to this podcast, they're like, yo, how come like 30% of all your guests have been Aggies? Well, shoot, Aggies do. Like, I, I can't, I, I, I can't make this stuff up. <laughs> so don't hate, don't hate, don't hate, don't hate. Just enjoy the show. It's going to be a phenomenal show. So let me read a little bit of her bio and then we're going to jump right into it. So she's a Economist by day, and I got that right. It's crazy. Side note, guys, I, I, I majored in economics and I always have a problem or issue saying that. So bear with me as I get through this bio. So she's an economist by day and a real estate investor by night. She created the key resource to change the perception of what a real estate investor is supposed to look like. She owns and manages four properties eight rental units total, and she's on a mission to empower and educate millennials about building wealth through real estate investment. She's been featured in Forbes and Black Enterprise Magazine. She was born in Virginia, raised in Texas, and went to undergraduate at the North Carolina A&T State University. And she also received her master's in agricultural economics from Purdue University before moving to Washington, D.C. Before moving to Washington, D.C., and she currently now resides in Fort Worth, Texas. When she's not working or looking for her next investment, you can find her thrift shopping, baking some gluten-free goodies, <laughs> or binge-watching Netflix with her husband. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Kendra Barnes to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Greg. Thank you for the awesome introduction. I'm happy to be here in Aggie Pride. <laughs> <laughs> well, shoot, I'm happy to be here as well. And I'm excited to have you in the show because it's crazy that I've had a this podcast for well over, golly, three years, three mm-hmm. years. And actually, I was recording since 2014, so really four, four and a half years. Wow. And I've never had somebody that is focused in the real estate industry on the show. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm happy to chat about it because I love talking like all things real estate. So, yeah. And I was excited, too, because uh, before the show, we got a chance to talk and wrap it up. And I was like, yo, a lot of times dealing with the real estate market, there's so much misinformation. There's so many there's so much stuff going on. You don't know who to trust or when to listen to or kind of does this apply to me or X, Y and Z. So I'm really excited to get down to the nitty gritty of how you got into the real estate game um, and, and the tips, tricks, wins, losses, all that great stuff. But before we do that, we always start to show off with a quote to kind of set the tone, set the standard. So Miss Barnes, take us away. Give us a quote or a mantra that you apply to your everyday life and give us a story about how you do it. So a mantra that I live by and that I always tell everyone, you know, that I come across is you are worthy of wealth. And I think that's so important um, for us in the black community, because a lot of us grow, grow up not knowing that and it's not really reinforced. And the reason I say you are worthy of wealth is because I think a lot of people, when they, when they look at real estate investment or becoming rich or becoming wealthy, they think you already have to be born into that, right, to achieve that wealth and or those riches or, or what, what have you. But you really don't have to. You do not have to be a millionaire to invest in real estate or to invest in anything. Really, you can literally start with what you have, 
right now and you're worthy of wealth. So it's just, I remind myself of that daily and I want to remind, you know, everyone of that as well. Man, that's, that's, that speaks for itself. And I love that. But specifically, when's the last time that you had to remind yourself, like, hold up, hold up, Kendra. Let's, let's, let's just take this mentality that I got right now and remind yourself of your greatness. And as far as being worthy of that wealth. You know, it's so interesting because like, as far as real estate investment is concerned, um, I don't come from a family of real estate investors. And if you think about like how we are as millennials, we have a very different mindset from our parents and, you know, our, our elders, right. And our family. And so a lot of times my family will see my husband and I buying properties. We're always looking for our next deal. We travel a lot because we live in Texas. Our rental properties are in DC and Maryland, which I'll explain more about how, like how, how we got into it and all that stuff, but our rentals are in DC and Maryland. So we're back and forth, you know, we'll hop on a plane in a heartbeat because our investments are halfway across the country. And a lot of times my family will say like, y'all are doing too much. Why y'all always traveling? You, you know, you're going to wear yourselves out. But what I keep trying to tell my family is on the flip side for my job, my day job, I'm an international economist and I used to travel a lot for my job. I mean, they would fly me halfway across the world, China, India, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh. I mean, I've been all those places, but when I was traveling to build up someone else's business, no one ever questioned it. But now that I'm traveling <laughs> to build up my business, right? My <laughs> investment, these, these, these properties, that's my retirement plan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's my financial freedom plan. And everyone's like, why y'all doing so much? Like y'all need to sit down. And I think that mentality is so skewed, but sometimes it does kind of um, make me stop and think like, dang, am I doing too much? But I'm like, no, I'm worthy of wealth. Like no one's telling Oprah to sit down. She, when she flies across the country building her business, you know, so we just have to get that into our minds. Heck yeah. That's, that's deep. Especially like, yo love, I'm going from Texas to DC. And back in the day I was going literally across the country. Sri Lanka, you like, be safe, bring me back something. And now yeah. I'm going to DC often and you like, slow down. What you mean? Like, this, yeah. I ain't even got started yet. Exactly. <laughs> so before we get into real estate and, and all that, can you share with our audience a little bit about your background or who you are prior to getting into real estate? Yeah. So uh, I went to A&T. A&T is actually the only school I applied for because I was like, if I don't get into a and I don't even know. Like there was no plan B for me. Um, and how'd you hear so about a and from uh, Virginia? So actually, I'm a, I'm a military brat. So I went to like I grew up in Virginia, but I went to high school in Texas because my parents are um, in the military or were in the military. Um, and I, I did this summer internship at A&T. And that was my first time ever hearing about a and I spent a summer there and I was like, sign me up. I was I like, no, what, what other option is it? I didn't there was nothing else, like nothing to discuss. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, spent a summer in like in high school. I spent a summer at a and for a, a internship and I was sold. So went to a and um, they went to Purdue, started working in D.C. for the, the Department of Agriculture, met my husband in D.C. We got married, bought a house, and we had never, ever, ever imagined investing in real estate. We thought that house we bought was going to be like the last house we ever bought. We're like, side note, side note, side note, quick mm-hmm. question. Did yeah. you have, what did, what did your parents do? And did you have like siblings as well? Um, so no, my only child, my parents were both in the air force. My okay. mom actually just retired like a few months ago. Um, so yeah, so no, they're not entrepreneurs. No they're just more so career service to our countries. Career. Yeah. And, and I think the message that, that was enforced for me was 
go to college, get a good government job and retire. And like, that's it. That's that's the golden standard, Mm. you know, so. Mm. So which leads us to the second part of the show. So, all right, you're in D.C., you find you found you a man or your man found you, whichever, <laughs> whatever, whichever way that works. <laughs> right. And then you got your house. You got a government job. Was he in the government as well? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So y'all yep. both working for the government. So now y'all can just sit pretty and just retire because, you know, you can't get fired from the government. So y- y- y'all right exactly. here. So when in the world did it come onto your plate? Like, hold up, let me do this real estate thing. So we, yeah, we bought the house and we were living like so comfortable. We had those good government jobs. We still have them actually, but I'll get into that uh, too. But we had those good government jobs and um, we were just living, like traveling all the time. We were like, we had, we were never thinking about the future, but only thinking about like, you know, our present. We were living the life. Um and one day we played a board game called Cash Flow. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I, I've heard of it. I know a couple of my um, fraternity brothers, they they get up like once a month and do Cash Flow. I, I ain't going to lie. I could play a little bit, but I, I can't just be playing Cash Flow all the time. But continue. Not to spoil <laughs> it, but <laughs> it can get a lot. I'm like, yo, let's, let's get into real life, man. But it, it's good, though. It opens your eyes. Yes, it, it can get kind of long. Um, it's kind of long. Like- you can start at like five and end at like 11. Yes. Yeah, you can. <laughs> you definitely can. I love the game, though, because it really opens your eyes because it, it kind of mimics real life. Um, and for anyone who has never played, the object of the game is to get out of the rat race of life. And the rat race can be living paycheck to paycheck, working a nine to five, being like burdened with debt. And to get out of the rat race, you have to make smart investments. And literally the only way to win the game is if you invest in real estate that's it like you have to invest in real estate and so we we played that game and we literally walked away and we were like wait a minute wait a minute wait like why did no one ever tell us to invest in real estate why have we never thought about this like so the next day we started looking for our first rental we we played a game wow. and then literally went out and looked at properties <laughs> that's 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 crazy so when you all right now you've played the game the next day mm-hmm. did you did you go on google and start looking for properties did you like call a realtor like what was that next step so we went on like a Redfin or Trulia, you know, one of those. We were mm-hmm. just like, okay, what can we do? We we had no idea what the heck we were doing, but we did find a real estate agent and we started looking and stuff like that. And then um, we ended up buying a property and that just kind of like we, we got addicted basically. But it all started with that game. So what was the timeline between finishing up the game and then closing and buying your second property outside of your first home? Um, I think it probably was about six months. Okay. Yeah. So it was around six months. So now you got your second property. Um, how was that process? The process pretty smooth because when I think about it, I'm like, okay, you financed, you put a down payment, you finance your first home, and then you get a second home because I'm I'm like I'm not coming from a real estate background, right? So that's why I'm, in this whole interview, that's why I'm excited to have you on the show. I am, and I'm ta- I'm speaking from the audience that is not from a real estate background, and and common myth would be like, hold up. You finance another home and y'all, y'all probably make decent money, but to finance another home would be kind of difficult to be more questions asked or, or was it a simple, a, a simple process? So here's the thing. Um, we learned so much, but we ended up, because I remember I told you we were just living, we were not saving to buy up buy a property and you mm-hmm. have to save. Like if you're buying rentals, you need to have savings, but we were not saving for that. So 
with it being such a, a huge leap, like a random, a random leap, we um, ended up having to take money out of our retirement accounts to pay for the down payment for the property, which I will say it will not work for everyone. And it's not a smart financial decision for everyone. I would, I would urge people to talk to their financial advisor to run the numbers it worked beautifully for us because we have made more money on that money than it would have made in the retirement account, but that will not be the case for every mm-hmm. one, right? So um, that was our only option because let me let me tell you the hard lesson on this one. So we, we bought a duplex, which is a two-unit building, so it mm-hmm. has two apartments, right? Um, we bought the duplex, and the down payment was like $52,000. Like, who has $52,000? Like, just, who? Just who? sitting around. Like, who has that, right? <laughs> Um, and so I remember the the loan officer for the mortgage company, he was like, well, you know, if you live in one unit and rent out the other, like if you take it as your primary residence and rent out the other unit, you don't have to put down as much. You only have to put down like $15,000. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, no, I am not living in a one bedroom <laughs> apartment. I got two degrees. I work hard every day. Like we have a huge house. We had a garage. We had a movie theater had room a, in D.C.? In D.C., we had a garage and a backyard. What? what? In, D- in D.C. Good God. I, 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 I'm not even going to touch that right there. I don't know how you even worked that out. I know government paid good, but good God, D.C. ain't cheap. But continue. No, but so the, the house that we lived in, it was a short sale. And so if anyone's not familiar with short sales, it's like one step away from being a foreclosure and you're able to get a house at a really great discount. We pretty much got the house for like half off, if you think uh, about it, like a sale. Like on clearance. And on clearance and um it's a really long process to do short sales that the name is kind of deceiving it it sounds like okay cool because i mean and that's one thing i know we're we're opening up a lot of doors so like i said you do this Mm -hmm. you talk about this all the time and you choose which door you want to go down to but a lot of times when i hear real estate short sale or Mm -hmm. um you buy stuff it it sounds like it's a pretty short process it's to the point Mm but a lot of from what i'm hearing is not is not as simple at least from that perspective no. So yeah, just to pause and kind of segue to short sales, it's really not short at all. The, the reason why it's called a short sale is because the bank um, the bank is basically taking a loss. Like if someone buys a house and they end up not being able to pay the payment anymore and the bank decides to then just get rid of it at a discount, the bank is basically shorting themselves. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called a short sale. But it's a very long process for the person who's buying a short sale because I mean, it's just so many different levels of approval because the bank is losing money. It's it's just not, you know, it takes a long time, but it can be worth it if you want a good deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So and, and more and to get some more context as well. How long after? So you when you so when you graduated and got your master's degree, did you get the house? Was it a couple years working? Was it four or five years working? Was it a couple years after your marriage? Like just I, I just want to make sure the context is clear from your first situation. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I would say three years after my master's, um, we got our house. And then uh, I think a year, maybe a little less than a year, we got we got the duplex. Okay, so now did you end up moving into the duplex? Like, I I know I cut you off in that story, but now you can continue. No, because I was not in a wealth building (laughs) mindset. I said, "Uh uh-uh, I work hard every day. I got two degrees. I didn't go to Purdue and stress myself out and lose hair and all that kind of stuff for no reason. I'm not downsizing. I could not see the, I couldn't see the vision. And so we took the money out of our um, retirement account to, to have the the larger down payment. And we stayed in the house that we lived in. So um, that, that term, the term for buying a multi-unit property, living in one and renting out the other is called house hacking. 
and it, it's a hack because you're able to get a rental property at you know a lower down payment and your tenant is basically paying your mortgage off so you're living mortgage free and I could not I couldn't sacrifice at that point I said mm-hmm. no absolutely not mm-hmm. <laughs> so so then okay what's 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 next after there did you so how so you ended up doing that and I know you mentioned before that you learned a lot from the what you learned was the sacrifice piece or was it something else it was a sacrifice piece. Well, first, I didn't really know that you could do that. I didn't know that was a thing that people would buy multi-units, live in one and rent out the other. I didn't know that was a way to get a lower down payment. I did not know house hacking was a thing that people use to get into real estate investing and all the, there's so many more benefits to it as well. But um, but yeah, the, the sacrifice piece. So we did end up house hacking later on with another property, but for this one, we didn't. So we had the duplex, we still lived in our house and we rented out both um, both units. Mm-hmm. We actually bought it and it had a tenant in one unit. So there's a tenant in one unit, one was empty. We put the empty one on Airbnb um, and we, we had the tenant upstairs. Okay, okay, okay. So, and this was how, how, many, how many years ago? This was in 2014, so I guess four years ago. Yeah. All right, so four years ago, you bought your first property. It was a duplex. You use your you use your savings. Um, one question I didn't ask before. Then, up until that point, where were you getting your knowledge from as far as making these 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 decisions? We learned by doing. We had no mentors. We had no. And the thing is, like the way social media is now, there's so many real estate investors out there like myself posting information, sharing, and there's courses and all these things you can take. We did not have any of that. We made some really hard you know, mistakes and uh, learned some hard lessons, but we didn't get it from anywhere, basically. <laughs> and so to walk us through as well. I think you said something deep. There's a lot of people out there putting a lot of information, right? There's a lot of real estate. I mean, there's some with thousands of followers, some with relatively few, but are posting great content. But how was us people that are, how was us people? <laughs> how are people like, like myself that are not in this space? And I know, I mean, podcasting, I took courses and speaking, I took courses and did webinars. But there's, when there's so much content out there and some people are telling different things, some people are like, oh, do the short sale. Some people are like, use your retirement. Oh, some people are like, do this, do that. How, how do you, how do you kind of circumvent which one you should follow or, and all that? Is the best thing kind of what you did doing it, but then maybe having maybe a mentor or is there a tried and true kind of method on seeing what really works and what's real? I'm so glad you asked that because I, while I think it's great that there's so much information out there, I think it's also harmful because people get in this like analysis paralysis mm-hmm. where they don't know what to do. And, and every real estate investor thinks their way is the best, <laughs> yeah. but I am so different where I'm like, there's really no wrong way. There's so many different ways to invest in real estate. You don't even have to be a landlord. Like that's a whole other you know thing we can get into, but like, there's so many ways to get in, so many ways to finance it, so many ways to to um to get in the game. And the only wrong way for me is a way that's not going to make you any money. Like <laughs> make your money, make money, end of story. But I, I think people should um, first focus on what their goals are. Like what are, what are your money goals? And then pick a form of real estate investing based on that. And then just try to align yourself, like you said, with a mentor. Like I, um, I do coaching and stuff. Um, there may be someone who's interested in flipping. I don't do flips. So you need to find someone that aligns with what you want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. So let's let's take this interview two ways. One way I really I'm interested in hearing about your complete real estate journey through. And then after that, 
I'm going to pose, I'm going to give a couple scenarios about mm-hmm. financial scenarios and maybe living mm-hmm. scenarios. And then you can kind of give your impact on maybe different, the different, um, actual ways that people could finance, et cetera. Cause I think that'd be very helpful for our audience. So now let's go back to your story. Cause it's very intriguing. Okay. You got the duplex, <laughs> right? Your Airbnb yeah. in it out. Do you still have that duplex? And if you, and after that, what, what was the next, what was the next purchase outside of that? So yes, we still have the duplex. Another lesson learned too for anyone listening is that duplex was it was occupied when we bought it. And so like don't be afraid to buy occupied rental properties. You're basically it could be tricky because you could be buying someone else's problem, but um it it isn't always bad. So I just wanna, you know, throw that out there. Mm-hmm. So we bought that duplex, we had the house we lived in, and then we're like, dang, this money is good. Like we need to do this again, right? So mm-hmm. you get addicted. Once you start, it's it's, it's crazy. So we found a fourplex uh, apartment building with four units in it. And we decided, okay, now, my, you know, my, my husband was our, was always down for the sacrifice and the house hacking. But then I finally, you know, got hip to it. And I said, okay, I'm ready to sacrifice and build wealth. Because when you're building wealth from the ground up, like you have to do things that other people wouldn't, right? You can't just be doing regular stuff out here and hoping to get massive results. So I said, all right, I'm a house hack. We lived in one unit of the four unit building, rented out the other three. So we had now we had the duplex rented out. Then the house that we lived in, that big house with the garage and all that, we rented that out too. So then we had another Ooh, rental. So y'all, so y'all didn't just say, oh, we're going to sell it. You said, nah, we're going to Oh, keep. no. Mm-mm, you don't sell in D.C. Not, not yet. Mm. So you was renting a big boy out too? Yeah, oh, that don't bust me crazy. So, side note yeah. before, because that sounds, it just, I'm, I'm excited for you. I'm living like right now, I'm just seeing it in my head. And, you, and people that drive me, they probably mm-hmm. see it in their head like, hold up, whoa, income stream right there, income stream right there, income stream yeah. right there. However, I will say, how was it actually dealing with tenants? Like, were you knocking on doors on the fifth? Like, hey, how you doing, man? Let's get <laughs> this, let's get this PayPal, let's get this thing. Like, how was that? And then, you know, it's being these your properties. I, I do want this to take it to the backside because if something breaks or something goes wrong, don't you have to fix mm-hmm. that as well? Yeah. And so it's interesting because, well, for, for rent collection, we collect it online. So we don't really like chase down after people. But when we moved into our four unit building, I mean, if you think about it, we're literally living in the same building as our as our tenants. And so <laughs> that's one of, the, one of the sacrifices of house hacking. Yeah, you're living mortgage free, meaning, yes, you have a mortgage, but your tenants are paying it. Right. So you basically are living with no living expenses that rent you were paying mm-hmm. mortgage. You, you know, you're not paying it anymore. Um, but the the boundaries are different. Like now our tenants can knock on our door anytime at night. Like, (laughs) Hey, you know, my neighbor's getting on my nerves and stuff like that. So we had to kind of mitigate that kind of stuff. But, um, as far as fixing things, my husband is pretty handy. So he would fix a lot of things himself. We also have a good team of repair people and everything that we could call on. Um, but does that answer your question? Yeah, that answers my question. So, do you so you haven't really had any too many nightmare stories of that. And did you have, have you had to evict somebody? Yes, we have, because when we bought that four unit um, property, it had tenants in it as well. So it had tenants in three apartments. One apartment was empty. That's the apartment we lived in. But when we bought that apartment, we literally bought someone else's problems. And so we had to basically slowly but surely get rid of all of those tenants and then replace them with tenants that we chose. Um, And so, yes, we have had to evict. Mm. So how how, how is that? Because that's one side of the business where it's, it's, it may not be the most glamorous side and you know there's families involved and it's 
it it could be a lot specifically somebody's really like not say like myself i'm really conflict adverse but i understand what about this wealth builder you gotta gotta go get that thing but it's like hold up man it's a, it's a it can get it can get a little testy specifically if they're not trying to move and then you get pick them out and they know where you stay and it's, it's a I lot know. so i mean how do you and then two what was the condition of the duplex in it was it like a fancy duplex or was it like yo we just be going we, we hold no <laughs> so the duplex, actually, it just needed like minor um, cosmetic repairs. And we did that stuff ourselves our first go round. But when we bought the four unit is really, really old. Um, and so we did have to do some some like actual renovations and hire people. But we just did it slowly but surely over time. So we didn't spend a lot of money. Um, but yes, the eviction process, especially in D.C., is tough because D.C. is a very, a very tenant friendly state, meaning it's pretty much impossible to put a tenant out like it it takes an act of congress to put a tenant out and so we had to work with the tenants on a very personal level and you know in some cases helping them find another place Mm -hmm. and kind of like do you need a ride to go look at these other houses i mean um one of the things that i really love about being a landlord especially a young black landlord i have black tenants they have black children and like so Aside from the evictions and whatever other, you know, mishaps, just the fact that young black people are able to see me and my husband be landlords and they can now that's in their mind. That's a seed planted in their mind. I can do that, too. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's we really take pride in that. But as far as um, the eviction process, it's hard, too, because this is someone's life. Like shelter is one of the the main human needs right that's that's one of our our biggest needs for survival and so to have to put someone out sucks but at the end of the day this is business and what i tell my tenants all the time when i when we have new tenants i'm like look i am i'm a young landlord like i we we sacrificed a lot to get here and you know we're not some random like rich people sitting off on an island somewhere just collecting the check like this is personal for us we worked really hard and we want you to respect our our space and if you can't you have to go like Mm -hmm. this is business so yeah 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 that's real that's a real talk right there and it's crazy now that you say that it brings me back to like maybe a podcast i did 30 if like Maybe my, one of my 30, probably like 18th, I had uh, Dominique Broadway. She had a property in D.C. Mm-hmm. I and, know her. Yep. And she had a property in D.C. And she's, I believe it was her or somebody else. I think she had a, 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 a big issue trying to get out of it. I think she had to pay a lot of money back. It was it was crazy. I was like, I did not know it got down like that in D.C. Like you, I was like, you had to pay somebody to, to leave. Like, it's just... It's just crazy. It's, it's just crazy. So, okay. So now we're back, taking us back to your story. Okay. You have, now you are renting out your, your, the house, the big house that you have. You're living in the, you have the duplex and you have the fourplex. So then yes. you, so then y'all made another move after that, right? Yeah. So living in the fourplex and then um, we ended up moving to Texas because of uh, my husband's job. So that's one thing we're like, now we have these rentals. We're like halfway across the, <laughs> the map, but um, then we bought a condo and we bought a condo in Baltimore. We bought that, um, cash and that was also already occupied. We, lo- we love occupied rentals, I guess, but it had a tenant already in it, which was great because we literally started making money like from day one and mm-hmm. he's a great tenant. So, mm. and so how were you able to find these deals too as well? Cause I know there's a lot of processes to do it, but what was your process in these particular deals? Uh, how are you able to find them? So for the ones in D.C., we use real estate agents. Having a good real estate agent is so, so important. Um, 
if anyone needs a recommendation for the D.C. area, please let me know. And then for the one in Maryland, it was actually like an off-market deal. It wasn't really up for sale, but someone who knew me was like, hey, I know someone who, who would sell the condo if you wanted it. Like, they're, you know, they're, they're ready to be just done with being a landlord. You know, people get tired of being a landlord. They get older. They move. You know, they just didn't want to deal with it anymore. And um, the numbers worked out, and we, we bought it. Hmm. So how do you how do you become a I mean not how do you become but as a landlord in the uh, the in Texas in the Midwest yeah. how when something goes wrong do y'all I know y'all y'all have contractors on the staff to look at it or do y'all just get on a flight and go attend to it so we've done a little bit of both we have a really good team of people like we we have a plumber we have a HVAC guy we have a general repair person and so in some cases. Um, we can just call them up and they're like, boom, you know, they, they go fix it. So that's, I don't think it would be easy if we didn't already have a team, right. Of people that we trusted. Um, we also have family there and stuff that we can ask to, to go look at the properties, but we do fly back probably like once every three months. Like I was telling you just to kind of get our eyes on it. And if there are things that my husband can fix, he's like, I'll just do it when I'm there rather than having to depend on somebody else. So we're still figuring it out because we've been in Texas, like, It'll be a year in like a couple of weeks. So it's still kind of new. Mm, yeah, I got you. I got you. I got you. That seems seems legit on that. And are y'all renting now in, te- in, in Texas or did you buy a house as well? No, we bought a house. Like literally we, we bought this house we lived in we that we live in and we bought the condo in Baltimore at like the same exact time, which was it was just nuts. <laughs> mm. So. I know all financing situations are different and we'll, we'll talk to that in a second, but specifically for y'all is because say once you moved out the duplex, you said you bought the, the condo cash. Did you f- just finance this part regular and how is it? And I, this might be getting into the second part, but how do you finance, go about financing multiple, even though y'all have both have jobs, multiple, all these houses at like once, that seems like a lot of, a lot of money out there. Yeah. So fortunately, um, our four unit uh, property, the rent in DC is also, is already super high, but we bought at a really good time because that neighborhood gentrified like immediately after we bought it and the rents, uh, the rents more than doubled. And so we were able to really stack up money, like really, really fast. Um, and so that, that definitely helped. And then, um, we, so yeah, we used the money from our jobs. We used basically our, our good credit and, and our good job history. Because when you go to banks and you're trying to get loans, they want to know how long have you been working? You know, how steady is your income? You know, and looking at your credit and things like that. So we, we have financed um, through like banks, getting a mortgages, and then we bought the condo cash. But when it comes to financing rental properties, like there are so many other ways to do it. You can use um, private lenders, like you can literally go to a friend or family member and, and get a loan from them. Um, you can also do like seller financing, owner financing, things like that. So there's options. Got you. Got you. Got you. So with that being said, actually, nope. Before we go to the second half of the show, we talk about just practical and kind of give your, you can kind of put on your coach cap real quick. I do want to say from, from a personal perspective, before we get into that, what what has been your your best and your 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 worst moment in the the real estate business so far? Um, so the best that's that's tough. Um, 
I think just like getting feedback from our tenants and, and them saying that like it's been their best landlord experience and, you know, they've been like scarred in the past and, you know, we're different and things like, I think that's, so we take it really personally. We have a very personal approach with our tenants. And so um, I really love that. The worst moment I will say when we bought our four unit property, remember I told you we kind of did buy someone else's problem. The police came out to, to our four unit to talk to one of the tenants. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say talk to, um, and they needed to get into the apartment. So they needed the key and they were asking like, who's the owner of this building? So I came, I was like, I, me, I'm the owner of the building. And they didn't believe me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, me being young and black, it was like, no, you're not like, who's really the owner. So I literally had to go get paperwork and my ID, get the deed out of my file cabinet and show it to them. Like, here's my ID. Here's my name on the deed. Like, no, I really own this building. Um, and then that still wasn't good enough for them. And I had to literally call my husband home from work. They were like, well, where's your husband? So he had to what? come home. Yeah. And that was like a defining moment for me. And this is why I started the key resource, because I want to dispel stereotypes that Real estate investors or owners of multi-unit buildings have to be old and white. No, you can be young and black. And I want people to see me and know that, yeah, if you see me walking down the street, I could live in an apartment or I could own an apartment building. Like you just do not judge a book by its cover. Mm, so that's a perfect, perfect segue into the second part of the sh- second part of the show. Look at look how God works. Say a <laughs> perfect segue to the second half of the show is the key resource. So could you tell our audience what the key resource is, um, and and what? And I guess this spurred you to start it. But uh, what was the what was the the initial moment? If that was the initial moment, you can kind of take it there. But explain to our audience what the key resource is. So, yeah, I I like, um, you know, your mission for your company because it's very similar to mine where I'm just looking to empower and equip and equip and inspire people to to build wealth, uh, specifically with real estate investment. But I I don't want to push real estate investing down anyone's throat because it's not for everybody. I just I just want people to know it's an option, but I want people to build wealth no matter like how they do it. But how I started it was when we bought our four unit building, I posted a picture on Facebook and I just literally said, um, hey, we just got this four unit apartment building. If anyone wants to know how we did it, inbox me. And my inbox was like slammed within hours. And I said, you know what? People have no idea how to do this. There, There are, you know, young millennials, people who look like me who are out here like, how? you know, and they wanted information so bad. And so it just kind of grew from there. Mm, that's oof. okay. 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 So once it started growing from there, getting the website up courses and all this, et cetera, like how walk us through, okay, now people blowing up my inbox. So where did I go? Mm-hmm. So where'd you go from there? So from there, I just started um, an email list and I said, I'm never going to do a website. I don't have time for that. At the time I actually owned an e-commerce business. And I was like, I'm just going to put information out and kind of send emails and, and give tips and advice. But people wanted more and more. And it was starting to get so time consuming that, you know, as an entrepreneur, I mean, at a certain point, you have to start getting like compensated for your time. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, let me put some, some courses together and, and things like that and do some coaching. So it really started as an email list then grew to a website, and then um, I started doing the the courses and things like that. Mm, got you. And how and how long have you had it? 
So this, uh, it's been two years. Mm, wow. Wow. That's crazy. And then, and, and how long, cause I know I see you have, you have summits on there, you have some other courses, et cetera. Uh, at what point did you say, okay, I know I need to get, start getting funding for this, but developing that network and to really putting yourself out there to have a, have a course. Did you take some courses on that? Did you have a mentor or is that something you just kind of researched on your own and made the way? I kind of just made it happen. I I mean, I've seen other like infopreneurs and, and the different platforms they use. And I've learned a lot like doing this whole course creation thing. And I love it because I'm able to reach so many people um, and and just seeing like my students results. So many people have purchased their first rentals and they're on their third and fourth rentals at this point, just because of the information, you know, in my courses or in my coaching. And it's so powerful that I'm like literally changing lives based on allowing people to learn from my mistakes. That's so huge. Like that's, that's big. That's, that is huge. And uh, with saying that, I don't know, originally I was going to ask, I was going to throw out a couple situations, but if you could, without kind of sharing their names, could you walk us through uh, a, a couple scenarios with, maybe past clients that have, have had success um, work with you or just working in real estate in general to kind of share with our audience that you don't necessarily always have to have make possibly two incomes to get a house or just share with our audience the different strategies that you that you have helped people through as far as financing, getting started, how they can get started and just the different levels. Yes. Yeah, so, um, oh man, there's so many, but one, one young lady in particular, she, um, lives in New York and, you know, New York is so expensive and it's like, how am I ever going to afford anything here? I was able to help her find over $70,000 of down payment assistance. So she got grants in access of $70,000 to where she did not have to come out of pocket for a down payment. She bought a duplex. So she lives in one, rents out the other. The tenant is paying the mortgage. So now she owns a property that is appreciated. She owes an appreciating asset that she did not come out of pocket for. And her tenant is paying her mortgage. That's crazy, right? And what does she do? She actually works um, in the finance world and she makes like six figures. And this is another thing. Okay. <laughs> people always assume that down payment assistance is for um, like low income people. That mm -hmm. is not the case. She makes six figures and was able to get down payment, um, down payment grants. And so that's one of the things I'm really passionate about is making sure people know all of the options that are before them. Um, don't just think that like, oh, I made too much. I mean, you never know. You need to you kind of research and, and see. So that's uh, one in particular. And then um, another couple, they have student loans and they're like, we're never going to be able to afford anything. You know, it's really out of reach. Um, I hooked them up with a really great real estate agent in D.C. and they were a part of my three month um, coaching program. They just bought a duplex in D.C. for less than what um our house in Texas cost. And if you know anything right. about Texas prices, it's cheap. Man, they give away homes with a pool in Texas in DC. Yeah. So they got a duplex in DC for less than I'm not going to put their, yeah, their yeah, numbers yeah. out here, but um, they got a really awesome deal and they have student loans. And so um, it, it's possible, but yeah, if you have any scenarios, scenarios you think people might want to hear and I can, um, you know, walk through, let me know if you have any other. Yeah. yeah I have a couple Uh one, uh, in particular, I know you mentioned earlier the college student. Mm -hmm. Can you walk us through? Was Ooh. that an ideal? Like, what what kind of scenario did a college student get into the real estate game? Yes. Oh, I, I'm glad you mentioned that one. Okay, so this young lady, and I know a lot of 
a lot of these I'm talking about are people who are buying multi-unit properties. Um, but I have to share this one. She is in grad school. She's in her first year of grad school. She just bought a four-unit apartment building in Alabama, and she only put $5,000 down. Oh. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Five grand. 5000 like that's not hard to come up with, right? Uh, uh-uh, uh, nah. If it, yeah, nah. You, real talk, you can just charge. I mean, if if, if push gate itself, you can charge five grand. Um, I mean, hey, whatever you got, yeah. whatever you got to do. So she actually um, didn't even use any down payment assistance. But the thing is, because she is occupying the property, because she's living in it, she only had to put down three point five percent. And of course, as you can imagine, like. Properties in Alabama are probably going to be cheaper than most um, higher cost of living areas. But that's the power of house hacking, of living in a multi-unit. And you only have to live in it for a year. So it sucks. You you share in space with your tenants. But if you can sacrifice and live there for a year, move a year later, rent that apartment out that you were living in and go ahead and buy your dream home or whatever the heck you want to do. But she now owns an entire apartment building that she only used $5,000 of her own money for that already had tenants. She started making money day one and she said, and was she, was she working at the time? Like how did she even get approved for such a thing? So she was working um, cause she's in grad school. She's working and now she, yeah, she's a, a landlord and she's single. And that's another thing too. Any people who um, come across me, I get comments like, oh, well, you're married. You have two incomes. Like, of course you can do it. Most of my coaching clients are single women. The young lady who bought the duplex in New York, she's single. The one in Alabama, um, she owns a four unit. She's single. I have a coaching client out here in Texas. She just bought a house with a guest house in the back. So it's not really a multi-unit, but she's renting out the guest house on Airbnb. Um, And so she's not paying her mortgage. Her Airbnb, um, you know, tenants are paying her mortgage. So, Y'all, it's it's so many ways to to get in on it. Mm. So I know there's a couple of things because one, I definitely want to talk about the Airbnb uh, thing because I know a friend of mine he just got a house in Atlanta and he was he was he had a whole house for himself and he's he's single. He was like, "Yo, what am I doing with this whole house?" And some things came up and for one, he said, "All right, I'm an Airbnb this one room." And he had another room. Airbnb is two rooms and now. It's paying his mortgage, but I want to get into that specifically in a second. But I have two more scenarios I want to throw at you. Uh, another scenario is somebody that is, um, and I know you work with, do all the people that buy real estate, do they, do they automatically come with like good to perfect credit? Like what kind of credit do people need to have in order to get into the game? Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's the first question I want to ask as far as, because I know people are listening is like, okay, cool. Um, I make, I make, Pretty good money, but I have student loans. And what if my credit's average? Like, what do you usually look for as far as terms of credit? So you're definitely going to need good credit. If you do not have the best credit, um, what's good credit are, like? Uh, like uh, as far as score wise, range. You, that's hard for me to say because when you are getting approved for a loan, they're going to look at your debt to income ratio as it relates to your credit, as it relates to your income. And I don't want to throw a number out, and that mm-hmm. is different from what someone would hear from a bank. So. I would say you need good credit and you should call it. I, I kind of get if you like putting out numbers because I don't want to. Yeah. But what, I don't want so what would you what what kind of properties include good credit? Um, what do you that's mean? something you can look online, but I'm like, because I know when people say, OK, good credit. Um, mm-hmm. I know I'm at the all right, 700 or at least like, OK, I, I'm, I'm that's not. Good. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not bringing in more. But specifically, I guess to, to not 
dwell on the credit piece. It's just you, mm-hmm. you need to, if you having questions about your credit, you need to talk to a financial advisor and yes. kind of work through that before, <laughs> right? Yes, but you can also call a bank and try to get like get an idea of what you could be pre-approved for. Okay, here's here's the thing. Say your credit is good, but it's not like. 830 or anything like that 830 i I, know i I just i just made that up but like say i mean (laughs) the thing is maybe when the podcast just like just stop the car they're like hold on 830 get a new plan okay i'm just playing that's why we don't say numbers right (laughs) that's so funny no no you don't need to have an 830 but your interest rate will be determined based on your credit so i'm not saying you can't get a loan get a loan it might be more expensive if your credit is lower. So that's all I'm saying, but don't disqualify yourself. Let, you know, talk to a bank and see what they say. Um, but say you don't have stellar credit, say you're self-employed. This is huge. If you are self-employed, it's very hard, no matter what your credit score is to convince a bank to give you a loan. They want to see at least two years of steady income. It doesn't have to be like crazy, like million dollar a year income, but it needs to be steady. It needs to be consistent. And if you don't have that, you could look into seller financing. Um, that's a whole other thing, but um, that's an option for people who may not be able to get a bank loan. Mm-hmm. And if you could, I know that's a whole other thing, but a lot of my listeners that listen to this podcast are entrepreneurs. So I know okay. uh, if you could just share with the audience, you don't have to share everything. Because I mean, if you want all the nitty-nitty degree deals, you need to go to thekeyresources.com and book a session. But so this is high level. But for our entrepreneurs out there, because that's one question I definitely wanted to ask as an entrepreneur myself, that okay. say, okay, you you had your corporate background. Because a lot of times, it's crazy. Right when I left entrepreneurship, I started to find out so much stuff. I was like, yo, if I could just still say my, because I mean, my incomes might be the same however mm-hmm. it's like they the, the bank don't care about all that like i had to go they through don't. i had to jump through so many hoops just to get a car loan i was like my, my credit's good like yep. what happened like yeah but they're like oh uh, i need two years so luckily shout out to capital one they held the boy down but it's like so c- talk to us about that seller finance for those that are entrepreneurs you make a you make a decent income but the mm-hmm. bank is really hounding you on carrying these tax returns you know tax returns get funny when you're an entrepreneur because if you write off a lot of stuff yes then it looks like last year i wrote off like i was just writing off stuff and i was like bro if i took this to the bank the bank gonna look at me like yo exactly <laughs> why are you so even hard. in an apartment so yeah talk to us about that because as an entrepreneur, I know you want to write everything off, but if you're trying to buy a house, that might not be the best thing to do. So definitely talk to a financial advisor. But seller financing basically is if you see a house for sale, um, usually if you see it that it's for sale by owner, those are typically the better ones to that, that would be a candidate for this. But the concept of seller financing is that instead of going through a bank to get a mortgage, the seller of the property is going to act as the bank. And you will pay the seller a down payment. You will pay the seller a monthly payment over a set amount of time. And um, so so basically, instead of going through a bank, you're not getting a loan, a loan from the bank. You're basically paying the seller a down payment and paying them. Um, and most sellers who are okay with doing, the, doing this are like, they're of the investor mindset where, you know what? Yeah, I'll go ahead and make some some money every month rather than getting all of my money up front because they're probably going to make more money over time doing that. It just depends on where they're at and if they're interested in in kind of that delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. So I guess the ben- what what is truly the benefit? Because I'm thinking on, on my end, like, I mean, not, not mine from from a, from their perspective. What's the really the mm-hmm. benefit for them? They make a couple more dollars, but... Is there a true benefit for them? 
Yeah, when when they do seller financing, they can typically um, they can make more money over time. They can make the price higher, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's it's almost like if you're seller financing, it's kind of like having a tenant but then not because you don't have any responsibility to the property. So if they're the kind of person who kind of wants that, that monthly cash flow, um, then it, it's a good fit for them. So yeah, pe- people do it all the time. Mm. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like subletting, but mm-hmm. is really a house. And, but then after they pay you off, but the bank, how, so how is the bank not involved in, in that, in that piece? Cause like who, who they create their own, down payment price they they do all mm-hmm. that on their own it's all you it's all negotiable that's the great thing about seller financing is that it is really up to you and the seller the one thing is the interest rate is probably going to be higher than what the bank would have charged you but if you can't get a loan because you're you're self-employed it don't matter you don't have any other options mm-hmm. um so that's that's the beauty of it is that it's flexible but the downfall is it's probably going to cost you a little bit more um every month and then the thing, the cool thing is too, well, I don't know if it's cool if, for the, the buyer, but just like if when, when you get a mortgage through a bank, if you don't pay, they're going to take your property back. Same thing with this seller. Like if you don't pay him, he's going to take the property back. Like you own the property, right? You own it. You're paying on it. Just like if you were to own it through a bank, like, you know, you own it until you don't pay. And then he could take the he or she could take the asset back, if that makes any sense. So they do have that kind of um, that kind of comfort, like, okay, I'm making this money every month. They're paying me every month, but if they stop paying, then I can, I can seize the the asset. Mm, got you. Just and, like a bank could. Same okay. thing. Makes sense. And for, and, and, and a question I wanted to ask as far as with real estate agents, like what is your, how do you go about, um, seeing which, which are the best real estate agents in your area? Trust and is there like something or is there a best practices for selecting real estate agents and can real estate agents advise you on what properties are they only cover properties that are seller owned or I mean, not seller owned, but just that, that they're showing or how does that kind of work? Oh, no, your real estate agent can show you any property. They can send you properties. You can say, hey, I drove by a house today and I want to see that one. They had a sign out there. So it's really open in that way. But to select a real estate agent, you should first ask friends, family, coworkers for recommendations. You can go online if you go to like Redfin. That's a, a home listing site that has like different houses for sale. You'll see on the side they have agents. Um, I also have like an amazing network of agents because I'm a licensed real estate agent in D.C. I don't. I don't represent buyers and stuff. Like, I'm not going to go show y'all no houses, but <laughs> if, you, if you need recommendations, I have an amazing network and I can connect you with people. Um, so, so yeah, that's, those are some different kind of ways to, to find. But I would say when it comes to selecting your real estate agent and your bank that you're going to work with or whoever you work with in the real estate realm, make sure you're selecting somebody who is not going to pressure you to go outside of your goals and outside of your financial comfort zone, like you don't want anyone who's pushing you to do things that you know would put you in a tight position. That's why it's so important to have a good agent. Mm. And you you keep mentioning this word goals. And I think you mentioned it earlier in the podcast when you first start talking with clients, you said, OK, w- let's talk about your goals first. Could you walk us through when you when you say that, like. What, what are you really asking? Because, I mean, some may say, OK, my goal is to become a millionaire. My goal is this. Like, what what is a better when you say goals as far as from a real estate perspective or wealth building? What, what are you what are you really asking? 
So here are two examples of, of goals. One could be, um, I want to, I want to eliminate my living expenses. So I want to buy a multi-unit property so I can live in one, rent out the other and have my tenant pay my mortgage off. Right. That's a goal. Another goal is I want to buy a rental property so I can make at least $1,500 in rental income per month. That's a goal. And once you set that goal, you know you want to make an X amount of dollars per month. Then you start looking at properties in that price range, right? So. Mm. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. And also, too, um, I, I, you, you hit on it earlier, but for the people that do have student loans, is that you? Is that typically a huge barrier, or do a lot of clients you work with have student loans, or they don't? No, it's actually not a barrier, and it it really depends on like a myriad of different like financial situations. But I do this thing in my Facebook group called True Story Tuesdays, and basically I interview people who have taken my courses and then who have went on to, to buy rental property. And this couple that I talked to last night. One of the biggest things they wanted to get across to people to people is that you can do this with student loans. Like here we are, we have a crazy amount of student loans and we just bought a property. Um, and so, yes, you can do it. Um, and there is a program. I'm about to share a whole nother little nugget with y'all, too. There's a program. If any of you are listening and y'all are in Maryland. There's a program that pays off your student loans if you buy a house in Maryland. Um, and it's called the Maryland Smart Buy Program. Um there are some different stipulations to it. It has to really be perfect, a perfect fit for it to make sense for each person. But it's definitely something to look into. Mm. And where where do people see? Because I know we got people listening from all over the country and honestly internationally as well. But for the people that are in okay. the U.S., uh, how will be some good starting points? Um, and this is a broad question because I know it's, it's just a lot of specific things. But you keep talking about down payment assistance and assistance for that. And when I when I thought about it. Um, originally we think about real estate i'm like hold up people are assisting or giving money to people to buy houses so where do you even find or where do you begin to find such information about uh finding other resources that can help you buy a house you usually start just at your bank or your banker start with real estate agents or outside of course going to the key resource dot com right or dot co no uh that info so the key resource dot info i do have some info on my site about that but you can ask your real estate agent. You can also ask your bank if they have any incentives or kind of programs they offer. Um, and there, there's so many programs out there, but basically um, some of them are like city-based grants. Like your your city might have a pot of money that every year they dedicate to giving to people like to ease the, the um, burden of the down payment. Or um, some programs are like for teachers or firefighters or policemen or like veterans right so there's so many different um different like pots of money for for those things okay okay that sounds good that sounds good i'm excited i'm excited um all right let's let's i know we we talked about earlier because as, as we start to begin to close i do want to talk about you and your husband are partners in this and how is that how is that been able has that helped your relationship has that how has that been kind of having your partner in crime work with you partner in crime yeah partner in crime work with you um on, on building wealth and and how how does that set the foundation for your future uh just for your future family yeah so we we love it like we eat breathe and sleep real estate and we're fortunate enough that when we played that game and had that aha moment 
that we both were on board. And I do know some people will come to me and say, oh, my spouse isn't on board, but I want to do this. And I feel sorry for them because we did not have that experience. Like we both were like, yes, we're in it. But as you can see from my story earlier, he was like, all right, let's sacrifice. And I'm like, I don't want to. Like, so when it comes to that, he had to like pull me along. And, um, and even now to this day, sometimes he's like, like, let's go big and like, let's do this real big, crazy thing and like sacrifice real hard. And I'm like, um, I don't want to do that again. Like, you know, <laughs> so it, it's like we have different personalities, but we love this and we're like, we're in it. We're addicted. And uh, we just we love ownership. We love like everything that comes with it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's 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 that sounds perfect. And when you when you when you say that and when you look about, OK, y'all have only been in a game. How many years? Four or five years? Four. We've done a lot in four years. It's crazy. So where do I mean, I know this is just this is just a, a very, very high level question. But how far do you think you y'all would like to take it? I mean, and and I guess, yeah, I'll start there. So we we definitely have a cash flow goal in mind. We know how much money per month in rental income we want to make. And then we have just an asset goal in mind. So that's why I I say goals are so important. Uh, I'm not going to share numbers, but we do know how much money we want to make per month until we can say, you know what, from this point on, anything we buy is just for fun. Like right now we're buying on a mission, but like when we get to that, that goal, it's going to be like, if we, if we buy anything else, it's just because we felt like it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's, that's what we're doing, but I definitely, um, I'm still going to keep up with the key resource. I love, I love empowering and helping people, um, and, and things like that. So my husband, we, we do real estate together, but he's not like on social media. He doesn't do the, the kind of speaking piece and things like that. But, um, when I started the key resource, he was like, he's like my biggest fan and he, he's my number one supporter. So y'all may not see him, but he is, he's in the background. <laughs> if y'all see me on a webinar or anything, he's not on the screen, but he's probably like handed me some wine or coffee or something in the background, <laughs> like holding up some kind of cue card. So, but yeah, we definitely, um, where we love it man that's crazy and did you ever think like four or five not say seven years ago if you would have told yourself like when you were in master's school master's school you and your master's program your master's degree would you ever thought that you would be in like real estate and and having like multiple streams of income buying houses and doing stuff like this never no (laughs) (laughs) man that's great and our our last question before we go to our, our rapid fire round uh, how do you how do you balance? Because I know you mentioned all this stuff that you've been able to do and you still bring it home. Y'all st- both still have your jobs, which is phenomenal. So how do y'all like balance that? Uh, how does that work? Because I know people out there are like, all right, what in four years, multiple rental properties, all these changes. But hey, no, nah, we still we still we still working for the government. So share what you can share without getting yourself fired. No, it's cool. I work from home. So I I work from home all day. Um, My husband doesn't, but that gives me a lot of flexibility. But we are, we do have a a plan, you know, we're we're not going to work for the government forever, but it's it's helped us because as you know, once you get rid of that steady paycheck, it's really hard to get financing. So, um, you know, we we have some things in the works, but it's not going to be this crazy forever. No, nah, I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. That's something that, I mean, I, I wouldn't take. I wouldn't take anything back because luckily you just need a couple years to get, and you got to sacrifice mm-hmm. a couple years, especially when you're doing your own thing. But mm-hmm. um, I, I definitely, 
I would have uh, prepared a little bit differently. So, oh, before we go to the coach change round, I, I, I definitely want to ha- get, allow you to get on your 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 footstool, not your footstool, but um, what do you call it when people when people your get, soapbox? Yeah, your soapbox, real quick for for those that uh, for for three different scenarios. Before we go, the first scenario is advice that you would give to a college student. Um, just in general to kind of prepare themselves or certain things that you wish you would have been aware of in college um, mm-hmm. just just to kind of start preparing yourself for the real estate game because I know I have a lot of college listeners as well and I, I definitely you, you knowing what you know now you probably would have been like yo in college I would have did x y and z also for those that are just starting their career and then on the last piece uh, those that are in mid-career and that are that are Around them, their friends aren't in real estate. They want to get into real estate. Their finances are, are in a decent position, but right now their mindset is like it's kind of overwhelming or they don't believe they can do it. Okay, so for the college student, save your money. I saved no money in college. I had a full ride. I had a job. I had parents who sent me an allowance every month. I graduated with nothing to show See, for it. Sent you, sent you allowance every month? And every month and paid and pay my credit card bill. It was crazy. <laughs> like I had so much money and I had an internship every summer. I mean, I know that sounds irresponsible, but I, I no one had ever told me, I was the same hey, yep. save your money. Hey, your credit score is important. Like no one told me those things. Um, save your money. And another thing, too, I think is really cool that I, I wish more parents would do. If your child ever moves off campus, wouldn't it be really cool if instead of paying, I don't know, $1,000, $1,200 a month for them to live in an apartment somewhere off campus, buy a house. They can live in it. You can rent it out when they leave. You know, you're always going to have student tenants, you know, um, that's that generational wealth thing. Right. So that's for the, the college student, for the person who's entry level in their career. Definitely start thinking about how you can get some down payment assistance grants um, while your income is at that entry level income. You may qualify for more since your income um, is lower. You do not have to be low income to get grants, but you may be able to qualify for more. Um and then for the person who's mid-career and it's just like, I'm ready but overwhelmed, call me. Call me. Like, let's get over the overwhelm. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and, and it gets the second thing, too. A lot of people say, for instance, say if they're a teacher, they make 40, 45. I, don't, I mean, that's the mm-hmm. only number I thought. Say for people that are around, they're, 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 say people that are not in the six figures, right? Mm-hmm. And they are a mid career. They chose a, a profession that afford. Uh, yeah, it's just not not in that range. They're, they're check to check, not check to check, but you know what I mean. I guess mm-hmm. those are people that say, okay, if you have any kind of, they need they need to talk to you, um, because it's there's 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 there's, there's help out there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. We can talk through it, strategize. I mean, there's like I said, so many ways to get in. So. Got you. Got you. Got you. Got you. So, um. Our last question before the rapid fire round, our official last question for the rap. I feel like I said that a thousand times, but a lot of stuff keeps popping my head. Uh, is there any outside, of course, the documents and the stuff that you're about to share that's on key resources online? Is there any other foundational books or courses that people need to just peruse through as far as just getting a foundation, a real estate game? Or the biggest thing is just start. Definitely start. I think everyone probably mentions Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I feel so cliche, but I'm just going (laughs) to throw it out there. But just get started. Say less, say less, say less. So uh, rapid fire round, I got five rapid fire questions. Hopefully I can get rapid fire answers. You ready to go? 
Yes. What's the best piece of advice that you have never received? Um, uh, I guess I never received you are worthy of wealth mm. until I told myself. Boom. If you could add one habit and take away one habit, what would they be? Um, I would start my morning meditating and reading. If I could take away one habit, um, I would take away like scrolling on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What is your favorite book or movie and why? So favorite book, um, The Invisible Man and favorite movie, I don't even know. The Notebook, Friday. I got all kinds of favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> Friday. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Too uh, extreme. <laughs> what's your biggest fear? Um, biggest fear is, is I guess, living with regret. Mm. That's real. And the last question of the culture change round is, if you were the president of the United States, what is the first thing you would do? Um, I would never want to be president of the United States. <laughs> but if you were, what, what is the first thing you would do? <laughs> I undo all the crazy stuff Trump has done. <laughs> yep, that's it on that. So um, before we always close Everybody that comes on this show, on this podcast, I call a culture change agent in their own right. They're doing stuff, uplifting the culture, whether it be real estate, whether it be wealth, whether it be stocks, whether whatever. And the big thing we always talk about in general is not only wealth, but also just becoming better people and becoming more loving people and just sharing whatever we feel is our, our call, our gift to the world, sharing that. So this last question is if you could change one thing about society. Uh, most specifically our African-American culture, uh, what would it be and why? Um, I would change our mindset from being consumers to being owners. Like, let's stop standing in line for for Jordans and let's start, like, standing in line to, to get information, to buy up tax deed properties. Like, let's let's change our, our, uh, our mentality. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. So um, I think that that pretty much wrapped us up. However, you said something at the end that I I, I would be a, I wouldn't I would be remiss if I didn't circle back and ask when you can you can you quickly, quickly go through from your experiences, the different type you said tax deed properties. I just want to kind of give people a, a foray oh, yeah. to like what is actually out there. Oh, yes. Real quick. So wholesaling, that is a type of real estate investing that requires no money and no credit at all. No matter what your credit score is, because you do not need either one of those things to do it. Um, So that's a a great way to get started if you do not have any wholesaling. Okay, so I'm not a wholesaling expert, but I do have a course that I did with five other investors, and one of them is a wholesaling expert. But you're basically finding a person that is extremely desperate to sell someone who's like in dire straits and needs to sell their property and who will basically sell it to you at a discount. But then instead of really buying it with your own money, you find someone else who really wants to buy it. Like me who has money, who wants to invest and you say, Hey, I got this person who wants to sell their property for like $10,000. And I'm like, Hey, you know, I've been looking for a property for $10,000. So basically you're kind of like a middleman. You find a seller who's really, really pressed to sell. You find a buyer, you hook them up and you get paid for that. And you name you name your own fee. 
And so there's a whole art to it. You do not need credit. You don't need money because you're really not spending any money. You're spending a lot of time because you're building relationships and you're finding buyers and sellers. That's wholesaling. Um, The other thing is buying tax liens. That's buying basically buying someone's debt and making interest off of it. If someone has not paid their taxes um, on their property, the city puts a lien on it. You can basically pay the balance of that lien. And then there's it, it works different in, in different places, but that's a way to make money on someone else's debt, basically. Then tax deeds is you're buying a property that has um, delinquent taxes. Um, you're basically paying the balance of that delinquent tax bill to get the property. So tax liens, tax deeds. Um, so wholesaling, tax liens, tax deeds, flipping. Y'all all know from HGTV, buy a property that's real jacked up, you know, slap some paint on it, some new cabinets, <laughs> whatever, flip it and make a profit. Um, and then there's buy and hold, which is what I do, buy properties, hold them and rent them out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's house hacking, living in one unit, renting out the other And there's also um, investing in a group, like a realty fund. So putting your money in a pot with other people, buying a property and getting a payout based on whatever terms y'all agree on. So those are some different ways, like real quick. (laughs) Okay, that's great. And uh, I I would be remiss if I didn't ask, why don't you flip? Why don't you flip homes if you care to ask, if you care to answer? So I, I haven't come across the right opportunity. It's a lot of work, um, but I think flipping flipping is great. The thing about flipping is when you make you make a large amount of money in a short amount of time. You can make forty thousand dollars in a few months, but that's cool. But what you do with that forty thousand makes all the difference. Um, your money is only as good as is what you do with it. So for me, with buy and hold, I get steady rental income over time, and I also keep the asset. I own it. I don't, you know, I don't sell it. It keeps appreciating, and I can also, I can make money every month. I can sell it later. I can pull equity out. Like there's so many options, and that's why I like buy and hold. But there's room for everybody and everyone's preferences. Hmm. Cool. 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 Man, this has been a action and jam packed. Like this has been one of the most infant <laughs> like seriously, because I mean my podcast usually are long and this has only been like hour ten, hour fifteen. And then I feel like you've given so much information. I'm I'm so thankful for your time. So for our audience, where can we find out more information about you, what you do? So can you share with us all your, your online information? Yeah, so if you guys follow me on Instagram, you basically can see everything in the link in my bio. So on Instagram, it's at the key resource. Follow me, send me a DM if y'all have any questions. I would love to connect with you guys. And yeah, I'm just, I'm thankful for the opportunity. No doubt. So everybody, the information for Instagram, uh, website, all that good stuff will be in the show notes. So from from the bottom of my heart and Minority Troublemaker Nation's heart, like I said, once again, thank you for your time. And Minority Troublemaker Nation, I need you to do two things and two things only. You already know, one, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and two, make sure you continue to change the freaking culture. Good night.